0: Hello, everybody. This is Paul Duncan, and this is the Football Scouting Podcast. Today we have a special guest of Jesse Fritsch. Um, he is currently uh, manages the database for NFL Draft Bible and recently ran like the Cut-Up Library that has helped so many young scouts throughout the industry. It's helped me. I've watched so many games through Cut-Ups. He is a critical, I think, uh, important figure on Draft Twitter and somebody I'm very happy to have on the podcast. Jesse, how are you doing today?
1: Doing all right, Paul. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely, so I guess let's just uh we always start off with talking about um the backgrounds of people that uh come on the show. I find that very uh very interesting. Some people are just like born into football. they'll be talking about how their dad was a coach and it was something they loved from their start and then there's other people like me who didn't even have football on and uh would have to tell my parents put football on on Thanksgiving. Where do you uh, where do you fall? How did your football journey begin? Big football fan growing up, or did you grow into it later?
1: I definitely grew into it later. I grew up as a basketball guy, um, caught up in the Jordan era of the '90s, um, but I was always into football too. I played neighborhood, and um, I actually have a family member in the Packer Hall of Fame, Ted Fritsch. Ted the Bull Fritsch. He was a halfback for the Packers. He was an All Pro. So my dad and all my family always talked about him growing up. So I always had football in the back of my mind, even though I was a basketball guy. And then when I got into college, I moved away from basketball. I was really into the NBA draft. That's what I would spent all my time doing was the NBA draft. And I got kind of bored with the NBA and the uh, finesse style of it. And I started getting into football around 2006. And then that's where I started going online with uh, football. I started in the forums. And then eventually worked my way on the Twitter. And found there was a void with information on prospects, a lot of like 15 good draft websites, right. But you'd have to navigate all of them and Google 10,000 times to find the stuff that you really wanted to get on players, especially if you're doing draft guides and that kind of thing. So I wanted to know the injuries, the background, how old they were, an actual accurate class designation, right, because half the websites can't get fourth, you know, four-year senior, three-year sophomore, right? So just being able to clarify that for people was important. So I started building the database and uh, kind of just grew from there, and that's what I've been doing for about five years now.
0: People will be surprised to learn how hard it is to find the birthdays of college prospects like there will be like guys from not even like small schools but guys from like cusa schools who like the only way you can find out their birthday is see when their friends comment happy birthday on their instagram post like that'll be how far you would need to go because it's not on the website it's not on the recruiting sites and this is like really it's pretty pretty important information whether or not a guy is 21 or 22 at at the point of draft um at the point of uh the draft so what made you move from being like a scout doing the stuff everybody wants to do to somebody who's doing the work in the back doing the work in the background
1: yeah so I started out like everybody else just doing it on my own like you you're kind of a newspaper magazine nerd like I was right that was getting the Lindy's magazines. I was getting the Nolan Nauraki guys. I mean, that was like my birthday growing up when that thing came out. And uh, I have all those collected. So uh, I, I just went on Twitter and I was doing the scouting report thing. I made my own scouting reports and graded on my own for a long time. And then, like, this is what everybody's doing. And it just kind of got boring. Everybody would tweet their opinions. And it's like, do I want to be the 650th person putting out a scouting report? How many people are really going to read it? Um, so I saw the void out there with these draft websites. I mean, most of them are pretty bad and they're missing a lot of info. And there's usually two or three people trying to manage the whole country and it doesn't work. So I just decided to do the database. and. People really liked it and caught on. And then when I put the video links from YouTube in there, that's when it just blew up. And then later Mark got involved with me and we kind of did it together for a while too.
0: Yep. Uh, we had, we had Mark on the show. I, I still feel that's one of our best, uh, best episodes. I love Mark. So happy that he's on the team. Uh, and it was just so funny what you were saying about the Lindy's magazines Um so I would always get the Lindy's magazine um, for football and it yeah, would always be my yeah, and it was always going uh, it was always my gift for my grandparents on my birthday and I have the Lindy's guides going back to like two thousand and six. Like this was like the first year yep. I didn't get the Lindy's guide and that's because I like everything's online. But yeah, yes, And because
1: like, Mark actually contributed to it. That's the reason I told him I didn't buy it this last year. He, oh
0: yeah. okay. Yeah. But yeah, I I just think it's really fun when somebody like has pretty much the exact same so- story as me, and they're like speaking the story, and I'm just like, hey, me too. Uh, <laughs> I even got one of the Nolan Naraki guides, but that was way over my 14 year old brain when I got it. It was like.
1: Oh, that guy was the best. And then I, I found out that the Raiders hired him last year, and I felt, because I wondered what happened to him. I loved him for so long, and then he fell off the face of the earth. And then I heard the Raiders hired him, and it just warmed my heart. I found that out about a month ago. So,
0: yep, and yeah, that the, the, that's kind of like uh, what I'm what I'm hoping to cre- uh, hoping to create is building a, building a draft guide with as many players as possible, with ev- with every report being really watched and reviewed not just like oh we're going to watch two games of him and act like we we know what we're talking about yeah. we want every single player in this guide to have been watched at, with, for at least four to uh, four games five or six for like safeties and defensive backs and wide receivers right. and all of it to be watched as much as it can to be watched on all 22 and even Uh, Hopefully even some cross checking like there is a whole bunch of sites out there, but I don't think anyone else is going to be putting uh, doing that many reports with as much level of depth as we're as we're going to do in focusing on some of the things that um, might go that other people aren't covering like we want to have as full and um, as professional of injury histories as possible. We we want to have as good of scheme summaries as possible. That's something that always kind of like That's huge. Me.
1: Nobody ever gets into that in much detail. So
0: hmm Yeah. yeah. Like why are you scouting players without giving me the context of the offense on which in which they're in? Like t- actually yeah. tell me what kind of routes is this wide receiver run? How often is this guy pa- how often is this linebacker pass rushing? How often is he in man? What is he being asked to do? But that's another thing I mentioned in a lot of my podcasts yes. is People need, to, um, people need to be aware of the distinction of what a player tr- um, does, tries and um, fails to do and what a guy is just not being asked to do in college. because college coaches don't really care that much about getting their players NF already. Uh, Justin Herbert is a guy I always uh, brought up. People are like trashing him or like, oh, all he does is throw screens. He, he's not go- he doesn't know how to throw the ball over the middle. Well that's because that wasn't part of their offense and he wasn't asked to. And lo and behold, so far he's been looking pretty good, not uh not growing screens.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've seen a grow- nice a few nice deep balls from him when I watch them, so yeah, he's yeah. doing all right.
0: So we wanna be that group that is able to make the make those uh make those distinctions and uh put out something better than uh anybody else is doing. So uh what else are you doing um like what is your draft Bible um what does your database do for the dra- draft bible what is what is like the end goal of your database?
1: yeah, so it's internal, it's not public. Um, I wish it were open for everybody, but there's some information in there that can't be made public, so it's more for agents and you know internal types. I don't even know a lot of the people that are in there. Um, I just know that it's people that they trust so They use it a lot for their own internal purposes for the scouting reports that they do and the guide that they do every year. So um, I've just been with them for about three months and they had a pretty good start going with it. And it's just kind of the basic information. They have a lot of the contacts, phone numbers, emails for players. And, um, you know, it's just getting data births, uh, making it look better, Um, searching every college football roster, going through the draft scout rankings, trying to find players so it's pretty much my life is over the past three months. My life has been finding data births online for them and I'm um, just scouring rosters, trying to find draft worthy players. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, that, that is kind of uh rough that it's uh, not public. I know when the, when you had the guide out, that was public. Yeah. That was something that I had bookmarked and I was, Uh, checking pretty frequently Uh, one of the things that i find really interesting about like just the draft community is the relationship between kids on twitter who want to scout and getting getting film it's like the biggest pain in the butt the People act like all 22 film is like top secret government information that's going to indict Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or something. It's like the, how how much secrecy is put behind this is just unnecessary, in my opinion. But what if you learned about, like, I guess, like the legal aspects of tape and why is it that it's such a pain in the butt to get all 22 and why? Uh, how would you change it in the future? What What do you think we can expect from this process? Do you think it'll get easier, harder to get this film in the future?
1: Yeah, so the broadcast tape that you see on YouTube, that's just fair use content. So you can put that up there. And um, as long as you're not you know, selling it or making profit off of it, you're, you're fine. So that's why you can get those cuts. And I edited video for a couple of years. I made a bunch of cuts. And, you know, people didn't like that once the all 22 video came out and that was just from coaches leaking it because all the coaches get it and then they leak it to other coaches and it kind of just trickles its way down. So there was a lot of all 22 video um, circulating for the past year and I was getting it because um, I kind of managed the, uh, the cut guys who did the prospect editing for my database and, you know, all those cuts that you see on YouTube. I had that organized and we would all talk about who was cutting what game, who was cutting what player. And those guys in our chat were filling us in on the all 22 tape that was leaking in through, you know, like Reddit chats and coaches. So I was constantly getting these Google drives full of all 22 video. And in July I had so much of it in the chat. We all just used it in this chat and I was like, well, Coaches that are putting it on YouTube, why don't I just give it to people? So yeah. on the 4th of July this past summer, I just pretty much tweeted to everybody, hey, if you want all 22 video, I've got all the Google Drive links. And I had about seven different Google Drives full of it. And in just that night on the 4th of July, I was pretty much DMing thousands of people links to this video, my DMs just blew up. I, I probably gave it to two or 3,000 people over the course of two or three weeks. I mean, I was literally just copy and pasting links and Twitter actually closed my ability to send DMs because they thought I was suspicious. And then I would go to my Gmail account and have people email me there. And even uh, my internet browser was trying to close me down because Google thought I was doing something nefarious. I was just sending these hundreds and hundreds of links out. So that's where I actually got into some trouble. Um, Jim Nagy, you might have heard of him. Um, He caught on to what I was doing. And he sent me a DM on Twitter and he explained to me all the trouble that the Senior Bowl had to go through to get that all 22 video. They had to jump through hoops with the NFL and all this legal stuff to get it. And they got access to it. And he kind of warned me. He said, you know, make sure you know what you're doing here, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go into all the details. But he pretty much explained that it's, it's copyrighted. So you'll always see that little NFL logo on the bottom there. And uh, that stuff isn't made for fair use. You know, it's copyrighted. So uh, he warned me. And I told him, you know, Jim, these are just Google links. None of this stuff is mine. I'm just sharing open Google links. They want to take it up with Google, they can. So I kept sending it out. And then all of a sudden I got an email from I don't know if it was a law firm. It was some copyright firm that uh, ran for all the conferences in college football. And they emailed me and they said, hey Jess, we saw what you were doing online and I was I was freaking out. Right? You always think, you know, oh, I'm a tough guy, you know, whatever when I got that email, I felt my heart pounding and you know, I got clammy and I was freaking out because it was this official email. And that's when I closed everything down. I'm talking, I locked my Twitter account. I got rid of my YouTube channel. I changed my location on Twitter and I was freaked out officially. So I didn't know what was going to happen at first. I knew that I didn't do anything wrong, but I just didn't want to deal with any of it. So yeah, nothing ended up happening. I emailed back and forth with that firm a little bit, and then I just kind of, you know, ended. But the, all the video is still out there on the Google Drives, so they're not going through Google. So you can still watch all the All22. They can't go through Google for some reason. So that was an adventure,
0: I'll tell you. Yeah, and it's like... I mean, every everyone thinks they're the tough guy until lawyers start talking. Um, until lawyers start emailing you, it's like
1: yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And once you see the initials after their last name and everything like that, oh boy, yeah. But um, yeah, the funny part about it is is that I had probably a couple hundred people DM me that were you know high school coaches, and they thought I was a coach. So I had hundreds of people calling me coach in the DMs because they assumed I was a coach. So. The other day, I was checking my DMs, and I had a guy who still calls me Coach to this day, asking for more All Twenty Two video, and I have to tell him no. So I get called Coach all the time for no reason, which is kind of funny.
0: Okay, Coach. That's pretty. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. So I think. So I think what the issue with all of that was because it was proprietary film for the for, uh, license to the NFL, correct?
1: Yeah, because when that happened, we were still making the all 22 cuts on YouTube, right? That was becoming all the rage for months. The the cut guys that were in our chat were making these videos. And on YouTube, nobody was really catching on to it. But after I started the, the Twitter thing, sending everybody the tape that wasn't mine, um, they went after it on YouTube and shut everything down. So within two weeks of me doing the Twitter thing, everything on YouTube was getting blocked. My account had blocked videos. I just deleted my whole channel. Other channels got knocked down. And that's why you pretty much see all of the cut video guys and all the all 22 is on um, caddy to the llamas private Google account now. So it was kind of a sad way to see it all end.
0: Yeah. Like with it being like so out of your control. So, I, th- yeah. I think it like it makes sense to me about with the uh with the NFL licensed film, but what yeah. about like the co- why is it so hard to get film just from like the colleges themselves? Because isn't it the colleges who are ta- are taping this in the first place?
1: Yeah, I think they have some kind of an agreement where they they film the games that certain way, and then the NFL has bought it. So that that's kind of their agreement and it drives me nuts that it just can't all be available i i understand all of the copyright issues it's just sad that it has to be treated like it's nefarious
0: yeah like that was um that was one of the things that we were like told is that there are like film lists that um like credentialed media can get on like uh yeah I'm guessing like Daniel Jeremiah and like Mel Kiper, they have access to this all 22 film. Do, do they not? Do you think they do? Yeah.
1: I was actually on a uh, video chat um, with an NFL guy. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to get in trouble, but um, he was doing a, he's a NFL player, NFL media guy right now. And he was doing a zoom video for a few of us that paid to get in there And in his background, he still works for a network right now. And in the background, when he was picking out the plays to evaluate, you could see the video system that he was using, the the giant tape conglomerate software that they had. And you could just see how you search for the All-22 video by the play, by the – I mean, it was unbelievable. I took a screenshot of it, and I sent it to Mark Jarvis, and I said – Holy smokes, dude, look at this. And Mark almost fell out of his chair, too, looking at it. So they've got this vast system that some of those guys are able to tap into.
0: Mm-hmm. What is it? is it? Is it XOS Thunder?
1: I, I don't remember what it was called, but um, it it was literally the coolest thing of all time. If they released that, if you could pay for it, there there'd just be thousands of people that would never leave their houses.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like... It's, like, one, one thing to, like, just watch through a game and, like, in particular, uh, just, like, straight through. But, like, uh, for example, I've been watching Jackson Carmen of Clemson. My report will be out on XTB by the time that this is published. You should read it. you have you him as a guard XTB. or a tackle? A uh, tackle. Jackson Carmen is a left tackle for Clemson right now. He is a junior this year, and I watched his so you project softball.
1: him a guard or tackle?
0: I project, oh, a tackle. I... I
1: I've
0: heard a lot of guard stuff, so really, yeah, mhm I don't know I think I think if you have a guy that that that's that big and has that much athleticism, you gotta you should probably keep him at the more important position mm-hmm. but, yeah. but I guess you i what is it isaiah Wynn was a guy that they were kind of like oh he's he should be a guard, um so yeah so yeah, I would really hope that um. I really wish colleges were more lenient about like uh, giving out film to media. I believe I saw that Matt Miller doesn't even get like um doesn't even get all of the all 22 um like in yeah, season. I find that
1: hard to believe. Did he say that or?
0: No, I remember him. Um, he it was back in 2018, and um he all of a sudden like did a really hard and fast change on Lamar Jackson in the 2018 draft, and when people. <laughs> And when people were asking him, you were never hyping up Lamar Jackson like this in the season, and why are you finally going in? And he was like, well, I finally got the real film on him. I finally got, like, the all-22s. So, yeah, I just was really kind of wondering, like, which media guys get it? Is there a real, like, list that you can get on where people will send you um, tape to scout? I know, like, I was thinking I could be of a huge service to some of the smaller school guys. Um, I was, like, some of the D2 guys, the um, Jaquan Hardys, the Zach Davidsons. I've been reading about a guy named Frankie Feaster, who is a four-time All-American at the D3 level because he's a two-time All-American in lacrosse and a two-time All-American in football at the D3 level. And like. I, I want to watch, I want to watch their film, and I think it would be of service, I mean, you only have, like, 600 followers on Twitter, but, like, I know people like Jarvis, people like you, and if I were to tweet something out, like, hey, I found this D3 dude who's 6'4", 260, and is doing this to kids out on the on the field, he's got a chance, I, can, I could, uh, with help, create some buzz around a guy, and I haven't even, like, heard back from, like, those types of from the video coordinators
1: there i still have a hard time believing matt can't get that video i mean there's just certain things that you expect those guys to get so i mean if i can get the the blasto and the national grade sent to me from somebody or something like that i mean why can't matt get that Mm -hmm. Um, i mean i think if if he tried really hard and really i mean i I think he's just kind of waiting to get it i don't know if he's actively trying to find it but somebody like that if he was actively trying to get it, he could get it by the end of the week.
0: Mm-hmm. I know the other thing about like film uh the process of getting film is the senior bowl is huge huge for that. Everybody's asking everybody for certain fi- for film that oh, everybody's really? trading. Have you been to the senior bowl before? Ah uh, no,
1: no. I've never really had any interest in going. To be honest with you, but um, I've heard it's a good time. I heard Matt Miller will buy you drinks if you go. That was, uh, yeah. So if you, if you, have you been down there?
0: Oh my, yeah, I've been down there the last uh, last three years. I um, what is it? I go down to the um, I go down to Matt Miller's live podcast at Draft Picks every year for the last um, three years, and yeah. like he, like he know he knows my face now. It was, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious last year, like after the podcast, we were all like drinking at the bar yeah. uh, draft picks has a baseball field out in, uh, out in the back, like for like, for, for a, like drunk wiffle ball. Yeah. And we just like go out there and we like find a, like a wiffle ball bat and a wiffle ball. And we're like dicking around and throwing it at each other. And we just try, start a two on two game of wiffle ball and, uh, no one can hit anything because it's like nine o'clock and it's dark and there's no light. You can barely see the ball. And then when it was my turn to come up, I just yanked it in the left field. No one, no one didn't know where it went, even though it probably just went 30 feet into the outfield wow. and was at the wall. <laughs> and I just like I bat flipped. I was pim- I was like moonwalking to home plate. I was stunting on that. It was it was a it was a great. That time. was your moment. That yeah, was your life's that- nice moment. Yeah. My shining, uh, shining moment of athletic glory. (laughs) Yeah, those are, like, the things that, like, happen. It's like, it's like those, like, regular stories you have in real life, but instead of it being with your buddies, it was, I had a beer with the vice president of player personnel for the Bills. Like,
1: it's so... It's absolutely crazy that they just let a bunch of goofy draft nerds like us go down there and just mingle with players and... Yeah, it's absolutely wild.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if you listened to the episode where I told the story, to, I think it was to Shay, where my very first day, on uh, my very first Senior Bowl, the first thing I did was walked up to Hugh Jackson and John Dorsey and introduced myself. Like, it, it wasn't even, like, frowned upon. It was like, before practice, I'm going to go introduce myself and I'm going to network with these people. I looked like I was... Like eighteen. I mean, I I barely look twenty one now, so <laughs> yeah. I think it was it was kind of they kind of knew to kind of stick with their uh with their normal daddish advice. Hugh Jackson was actually really nice. I can't I can't even like say anything bad about the interaction with him. Oh yeah, but, he's a
1: character. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The so like that that's those are the things that can happen. Um. I always say hi to Alonzo Highsmith when I'm down at the uh, um, Senior Bowl because um, I talk I talked with him when I went up to Hugh in uh, Dorsey when I was talking with them, and yeah. every year he says hi to me, asks me how I'm doing, and every year I show him the scouting reports that um I've written, and I really? think what is it? Yeah, and I think isn't he with year, Seattle now? I know
1: he was with the Packers for a while. I think I think I saw his yeah, name. Yeah, I think he's Seattle. with
0: Seattle now.
1: Yeah,
0: I think he is. That's but, awesome. Yeah, it's, like, one of those things where um, I'm hoping, like, year four, like, first year I showed him one scouting report, second year I showed him, like, five or six, next this past year I had uh, 15 scouting reports and a nice little booklet that I had to pay, like, a whole bunch of money in printing costs to get out,
1: yeah.
0: and um, so this year I'm hoping to have all, pretty much, like, a whole, like, almost a whole book ready, like... I, uh, I'm just hoping he sees that progress and is like, and when so, when something goes open somewhere, he'd be like, "Hey, I know this really weird kid who always comes to the Senior Bowl and is always giving me these high quality scouting reports. He's as good of a bet as any."
1: <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jim Nagy follows me on Twitter. I, I don't know what the status of the Senior Bowl is going to be, but I think I could just DM him and kind of nudge him in the right direction so he'll let me go. But
0: well, yeah. you don't even you don't even need to you don't even need to nudge him like um they're 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 so very lenient on credentials uh so you can just say that you work with what's on uh what's on draft oh, you can just say you work at NFL draft I don't Bible. know who that
1: person is yeah um what, yeah
0: what does just, what's
1: on draft even mean I don't even know
0: yeah probably <laughs> just some who <bummer laughs> like came that. up with that name Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right so yeah you just say you're with um just say you're with nfl draft bible and they'll print you out a credential like i i knew a guy who was just a part-timer at pff and he just said that hey i'm with pff and he got a credential and even like when i would go down there i would never go down there credentialed all credentialed gets you is like into the um into like player weigh-ins oh Uh, yeah so it's like you can be like completely un uncredentialed and be at what um the Renaissance hotel where like all the meetings are you can just like talk with prospects and do whatever as long as you're as long as you're not like really weird or disrespectful i've I've never none of the people I've been around have ever been like that so yeah i high, highly recommend the senior senior bowl for everyone it is like um like just going to the bar, it's just like so packed, and it's, it almost kind of reminds me of college. But instead of it being like dumb 18 year olds, it's all people that can get you hired packed in the bars. <laughs> and it's, and you know, yeah, last never year I that. offered
1: to pay Mark Jarvis's way to go to the senior bowl. I was like, I'll pay for you to go, and he said no. So hopefully, oh. this year he can go. That, that's my goal is to
0: get him there. I will personally kidnap Jarvis and bring take him to the Senior Bowl.
1: It'll be easier now because he's so skinny.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I'm really skinny, so <laughs> maybe may, if I were to try to kidnap him, he might like uh, uh, turn turn around and re kidnap me and take me to the Senior Bowl.
1: <laughs> He'll turn you into chicken nuggets, yeah.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> so, yep, that's um. That's what I heard. Senior Bowl film gets spread around. It's a lot easier to get film after this uh, all 22 film after the season because cool. hopefully like uh, the coaches and the people who are um are more willing to uh, leak things and people are more willing to uh, let things get out. I just know that that's kind of just like my one big fear of this whole project is having like a guy that I want in the scouting um in my guide but nobody has any film of this guy anywhere and we email a whole bunch of people and the deadline's coming and oh my goodness we're about to write a draft guide without the 98th best prospect in the draft cuz we don't cuz he plays for Tulane or something and nobody yeah. has film of him So uh um do you still do you still scout and what has your experience been like um just learning more about more about the game and who have been big influences to you for actually like learning the x's and o's and becoming a better football guy yeah because
1: when i when I've scouted in the past or when I've evaluated players, it was just pretty much me just evaluating traits and you know, reading, you know, when I was just getting into it, it was just reading about what Nolan Narocky had to say and then finding whatever video video I could find and piecing something together. And, you know, up until about four or five years ago, it's like when it comes to X's and O's, I'm not the greatest. You know, I'm still learning like everybody else is and I'm pretty open about that. So my scouting reports have been more great based So I've been trying to dig more into... You know, learning the X's and O's, finding good YouTube channels and things like that. That's what I've been doing the past couple of days is just watching some quarterback school and some, you know, some edge rushing videos and things like that. But as far as influences, I mean, it was always Rocky. He's kind of the guy that got me into looking in the backgrounds and things like that because he would throw in little nuggets in his draft guides if guys had some problems or not. And I just like digging into that and You know, um, as far as people now that I look up to or read about, I mean, it's, you know, even somebody like Mark Jarvis, I mean, he's come a long way over the past, you know, a couple of years, and I like reading his stuff, and I don't really read too many scouting reports. I try to stick to, you know, like the the big established guys, but I'll read like Ben Solak's a good guy to read, and pretty much just Mark and a couple handful of other guys I can't think of right now.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, draft network uh, has done a pretty good job of really actually being as close as we can get to a like a good faith uh, faithful draft website. Um, I do wish they were a little bit more in more in the weeds. I mean, I can understand why they might want to kind of keep things easy uh, easy to read for because they're I, they're a little bit more for the general uh, general public. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just talking to a guy about that on Twitter today about the, the draft network. When they first came out, I was really excited because I was thinking, Oh my God, there's finally going to be an awesome Mecca draft site. That'll save me, you know, hundreds of hours a year. And, you know, like every other website, I mean, those guys want to get paid. So they have to make money. So they get into fantasy football and the gambling that they were into and the college football. So like three quarters of their website's going to be, Like this time of year, it's going to be NFL-centered articles and college football-centered articles, fantasy football. And then they're still going to do their draft podcasts and have some rankings. But until, you know, January, February, that's when they start getting heated up. And that's when I start paying attention to a few of their guys like Solak and, uh, you know, like JR is a cool guy I like to read into a little bit. But, you know, they got to pay the bills. I I wish it was a little bit more in-depth, too, but. You know that's the way it is. The draft is a cottage industry. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a year-round thing. Now, there's a lot of people that like the draft. There's a few thousand people that are hardcore into it. But at the end of the day, it's you know February through April for most people. So it's hard to make money.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I've been thinking. Because like while well, I do love every um working with XTB and that Andy's just been a, a really great uh great researcher um. uh, person to deal with if like I were if the NFL doesn't come calling if my lack of NFL um, parents uh, bites me in the butt in uh, interviews or something I do have like kind of have like a dream of almost starting something similar to NFL Draft Bible where I have a team of scouts and we get paid to scout players for college all-star games and to Selling, st- selling stuff to agents and teams and yeah. just being able to have like that ki- that kind of role just sounds really appealing, but it's like, I'm not quite sure what I can do that hasn't already been done. Maybe, maybe more vicious social media scanning have people on everyone snap, every prospect Snapchat stories and screen record them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tough out there. Like, I mean, for a lot of people, unless you have a connection in the NFL, I mean, you read the book, you know, scout speak. I mean, you, you know how tough it is out there, unless you have a connection or you get into coaching somehow it's, it's almost nil. So you almost, if you really love it, you almost have to become your own king and just do it your own way on on Twitter. You know, like Kyle Krabs and those guys, they did their own thing and then they they got in the like the Draft Network. And you know, I told Mark Jarvis that too. I'm like, why don't you just become your own king? You know, don't try to work for other people, but just do your own thing and see where it goes. Be your own boss.
0: You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that is a great uh, great like way of thinking, but the one thing that you realize when you try to uh, do everything by yourself is you learn, like I said, there are so many things in scouting that aren't scouting that you need to do to be a good scout, being able to manage, manage databases, being able to um, uh, network, being able to be able to message the right people, uh, setting up uh, training sessions. Like I didn't realize how difficult it would be to like get all 12, all 12, 13 of my scouts on the same Zoom call until I, like, emailed everybody asking them when their availability is and what day we can get most people in the same Zoom chat together. And yeah. no one day had more than six people. So it's like... Working out those things, um, one of the things that I was super proud of is uh, when I went down to the Senior Bowl. Not only did I get myself down to the Senior Bowl, is I also get, um, worked out getting three other people to the Senior Bowl because we were all split. Uh, we were all splitting an Airbnb to save money. Like I was able to get down to the Senior Bowl. Rent with, uh, lodging was like twenty dollars a day because I was splitting it with so many people.
1: Yeah.
0: So coming up with like. Managing those kind of things are so important so having somebody that has the scouting information and all of that all of those skills it's tough to find but maybe i'm maybe I'm that person i i have all the things that I said what other things do you what other skills do you think scout um scouts will need that aren't like self explanatory
1: uh what, is scouting?
0: what do you mean? Like um, like I said, how being a good football evaluator requires more than knowing about football. You might have to design design your own scouting reports, which requires web design. You might need to um, schedule your road trips like all the real scouts do. That, those, kind, those kind of things. We're managing a database so you can see who you scouted, who you've watched film on, what film you have, what information you have on them.
1: Oh boy. Um uh, when it comes to databases though, I mean I feel like I could cover the whole league or the whole college football landscape myself. So if I could just get three or four people to help me out, and I think we could cover the whole league and get the background set up. I mean, if you were to make a website like let's say you're going to make the perfect website what would you take from the sites that are out there and what could you do better i think we could just do it ourselves you and i and a couple of other people why don't we just do it
0: hell yeah scouting collective 2021
1: let's yeah, do it <laughs> I've, got, I've got so much free time to do the draft bible stuff and all the other stuff i could do that too i mean I don't know. It's just frustrating me that a group of people can't get them together and make a really awesome website. I don't know. I, I rant about it on Twitter all the time.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, um, I mean, I love, hopefully we can do some, uh, provide some of that at XTB. Like I said, best scouting reports out there and, uh, com- uh combining it with such good background data and, um, and just having all of your measurements and stuff accurately, it's de- it's definitely out there. Uh, definitely something I've I've been thinking of in the back of my head. But before we before we get into that, I think what's important is built for at least for me is getting the getting the draft getting the draft guide done. I don't want to be looking at dessert before I'm done getting the main main <laughs> meal done. If <laughs> that makes sense.
1: you guys looking to sell your draft guide are you going through amazon or what are you going to do with that
0: yes and everything um so it's going to be like an online pdf uh we will try to print out uh print out some copies But I feel that most of the audience that we're look that we're going to be selling to is going to want to read the thing online. Uh, Definitely print stuff out and send them to the NFL teams and people in the industry that we admire and want to work for. And uh, yeah, hope hopefully get it on Amazon, and we're going to come up with marketing and promoting plans to try to make a show how gorgeous the thing is going to look, the in the level of depth that's going to go into this. Because like like I said, I worked in design the methods and scales for all of this. And I think it's one of the easiest ways to visualize and understand players. Um since this is also the talk crap about Mark Jarvis show. an example of uh, one of the things that he does that I was not that big of a um, fan, fan of was how his scales, he would say, this player is a 10 out of 15 on something. But I can't really be able to truly visualize the difference between a 10 out of 15 and an 11 out of 15 at this pr- particular trait. So that's why every number we, we put on something represents something. Numbers are both numbers and words. A six as a positional trait would mean he is good enough to be an NFL, um, a starting NFL caliber. It's yeah, it's a NFL starting caliber trait. A seven, top half NFL caliber trait. An eight, top uh, top five to ten caliber. Nine, it's the best. Five is going to be a little little below average, but suitable for a backup. So, and then for overall grades. A seven would be impact start or day one. So every single number means something. Every single trait that we picked out, we have gone over and gone through to give as clear and easy definitions as we can. We've separated things by their critical traits, secondary traits. So it's like all like the groundwork is set for something special, and I'm just stoked.
1: I don't think there's anything more simple in my head than thinking one through fifteen on something. Really? I, I think Mark's got that locked down. I have no idea what it means, but I just trust him so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why didn't you did you talk about that when you had him on or no? Because I listened to the first, you know, I didn't know. I, I think, don't know we, if tra- I I think we talked
0: about we talked we talked about it um uh off air, but that was kind of like another thing that um we we kind of like both believe in is that like in Scout speak. Um, Stratton said that they actually kind of prefer it when people don't really have that much NFL scouting experience because yeah, they, they want,
1: cheap want to. Yes, yeah. like in the NFL with players, they just want you know cheap meat. That's all it's about.
0: Yeah, they they want they want a clean slate. So I think it'll be amazing for Jarvis to come and work with our our draft scale. So he has his own draft scale that he uses, but then he also can operate under our draft scale and our draft scale is based off of what a, some real NFL teams use. It's not exactly the same. It's modified a little bit, but it's something that some NFL teams use and something that I think is kind of that an NFL level person would be able to read and quickly pick up and understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's kind of why I was really kind of touting up the n- numbers as word because I know people in the NFL would, would use that and maybe somebody in the nfl wouldn't be wouldn't necessarily know hey does he is like a 12 going to be a really good starter for me is a 10 a really good starter is like a 15 like just a 99 in madden or is like a 15 like top five top five in the nfl so i guess that's kind of where where i was going with the um with just the pure number scale. And Jarvis isn't the only one who who uses it. I've I've seen it um, from a lot of different people across across the web. I think I saw some Draft Network guys using it. I'm not quite sure.
1: Yeah, so when your reports that you guys are doing for your guide – you guys do a lot of background research on players? Cause that's what I spend a ton of time doing is just mining through players and getting a good couple of paragraphs on their
0: background. Um, I get not really like off the field background stuff. Yeah. So the main, um, the main chunk of the guide, it will be, uh, strengths on the football field and weaknesses on the football field the scheme which we're going to be really focusing on, injury report history which we're going to be focusing on, what we don't know about the player, like what are some things we expect them to do in the NFL that they're not being asked to, and a summary. Like if there were any off-field concerns that were really obvious, then yeah, we would put that in what on um, things we don't know. The issue with finding like back uh, background things and like store um the character things online is it can be. Not all of these things that you would find online is going to be real, and it'd be very hard to confirm, like I remember josh there are stuff coming out about Josh Rosen and him not being a good leader. I can't go onto the film and personally verify that information myself and that's kind of like what it what it's tough and I do think it was um I wasn't act fully joking about the idea of having somebody. Watching the Instagram stories of every college pros um, as many college prospects as possible to really get a better look at their character and background. That honestly yeah, might have to be the. When we start that mega
1: website, I can do that for you guys. So. What I'll was do that? It. I'll do it when we start that perfect draft website. When all of us band together and do it. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I actually think that would be the perfect job to find some 18 year old kid to do.
1: Oh, I'm too old for that. You put me out of
0: a job. <laughs> yeah, I'm evil. Uh, so, uh, one of the things that about this podcast that I find kind of interest um, that's kind of been the format is I've always been the guy, the host and the guy who's been at, uh, asking the questions and trying to learn about the background of people and kind of what makes them tick as a scout. Uh, do you just have any general, uh, do you want to kind of switch roles? Do you want to kind of play the host for the last uh, 10, 15 minutes and ask me some questions about the, um, about scouting and hopefully I can provide the listeners with some, Some new stuff about myself and my scouting philosophy that I haven't already brought up.
1: Oh, boy. You're making me ask you questions. Oh, yeah. I thought I was a narcissist. All right, I'll give this my best shot. When it comes to watching safeties, you brought up that you watch more tape on safeties. Dig in the why you do that, and is it just with broadcast tape that you dig in, or is that also with all 22? And just talk about safeties and how you watch safeties.
0: All that throws right, so a I've,
1: lot of people off. People have trouble with safeties.
0: Oh yeah, safeties are uh, safeties are dif- uh, difficult. Even when you have all 22, there will be a whole bunch of plays where you get nothing out of. So let's say you're watching a defensive tackle. If there's a run play, you can take note on how well he's able to sh- uh, shed a block. You, if it's a pass play, you can see what his pass rushing moves are. You see if he has like multiple moves. Does he use one move to get to another move? Mm-hmm. You can watch five straight plays of a safety, and it's uh, run play that run play that goes for negative two yards that he's ten yards away from the ball, RPO pass play that um, gets, gets stopped. Oh, he looked like he was having decent coverage on that tight end, but the ball wasn't thrown his way. Like there's so many plays where you don't really have anything to write about that you're not really noticing anything more than how fast he moves and how he's like how he's reading the field. So it would take a lot longer to see some um understand a safety's range in ball skills because you're just going to see so many so many less plays on the ball. So that's why I think it's important that when you watch safeties, you can't just watch a couple games of a safety and write a report and think you're think you're on on the uh on the right track. You really need to watch the safety as many plays as you can because you can watch three games of a safety and have like a page or so of notes and then the next game you watch is he's like a completely different player. And
1: that's All right, why you- I, got a, I got another question for you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So what is one thing let's say you're reading quarterback scouting reports and you're just scouting quarterbacks in general, what's one thing that you read about in a report that just drives you crazy? Like what's your quarterback evaluating bias? Because everybody talks about quarterbacks all the time. what's your thing with quarterbacks? What do you look for? What do you think people over evaluate? That kind of stuff.
0: Um there's kind of a really weird uh situ uh it's kind of like that overrated, underrated thing where so many people call a trait overrated that it eventually becomes underrated. I feel that like arm strength or throw power has kind of like fallen into that um that realm. I think if a quarterback has really good velocity on his passes, he's going to be more accurate because there's going to be less uh, balls batted down. Uh, I, I also feel there has been like a very uh, weird movement against the uh, uh, tall quarterback with the big arm. Like in 2006, you would have to say, hey, just because he's a uh, big quarterback with a big arm doesn't mean he's going to be good like the Jake Lockers and the Christian Ponders of years past Mm -hmm. and now like with so, so much of the hate I saw being thrown towards Justin Herbert I'm like hey just because he's a big white tall quarterback with a big arm doesn't mean he's the next Mitch Trubisky or something so when I see people um Saying, oh, he can make all of the throws. Oh, his arm strength's good enough. I want to know more. I want to know if he can bullet in a dig route in between a safety and corner because that's something that um, somebody like Deshaun Watson can do, but somebody like Luke Falk can't. And there's, and there's a real big, di- big difference between that. Like you see it with guys who kind of have, like, all the accuracy and kind of are the game manager types, they're not really doing that much anymore. Like, in order to win in the NFL, like, you need playmakers. And what is it? Watson, Mahomes, Allen, Prescott. They all have really good arms. Like, it's it just takes so much more to be a great quarterback when you don't have that stuff. And only guys like Brady and Breeze and, like, Rivers are really able to do that consistently. So... Yeah, people who kind of throw out arm strength in their evaluations altogether, I think, is a little bit of a uh, a pet peeve. And um, people criticizing quarterbacks for not making throws they're not asked to. Gotcha.
1: So, What's yeah. your opinion on the term uh, arm talent? Everybody bickers about that online constantly. What does arm talent mean? They come up with 300 different definitions for that stupid term. What do you think about that term?
0: Mm-hmm. I think, well, there's a couple ways you can put it. If if you're talking about arm talent without accuracy, then I think that's just kind of like, uh, like arm strength, but not just like how far you can throw the ball, but how like accurate you can are, but how much like velocity you can put on the ball. Like cool. watching Josh Allen throw a 15 yard dig is going to be very different than watching Drew Brees throw it. So I personally like to think of arm talent as not having anything to do with accuracy, but then some people throw accuracy in that term, where it's like, oh, it's like how strong your arm is, how well you can adjust whether you're um whether you're throwing bullet passes or touch passes, can you float a ball over a linebacker? But yeah, I think like that's just ac- that's just accuracy. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe what some people are trying to go with is um arm ta- arm talent is what you can do with your arm that you can't teach. So yeah. that's 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 at least how I would put it, but I mean we can't like set one definition for the entire um entire draft community. Sadly, we're not the overlords of draft Twitter. Not yet. Yes, not yet. <laughs> and you think about all the the hybrid
1: hybrid players that are coming out now because the nfl is kind of turning into the nba where there's just a lot of big guys that can just play all these different positions and in football you know, you've got safeties going in you know playing linebacker and then you've got all the, the wide receivers and the running backs that are interchangeable and then the tight ends that play everywhere and where do you see like just trying to figure out what position you're going to put a guy in it's kind of a pain in the butt now where do you see the where do you see the NFL in 20 years when you're evaluating players in the NFL? Maybe ooh 20
0: 20 years is a little bit uh, too far in the future for me to predict. I mean, 20 years ago, like teams were still running like I form and like that split back set, set that was like really popular in the West Coast offense. Now you hardly see anybody even under center. So I. I really have no idea like that far in the future. But one thing I've noticed about these hybrid players is that a hybrid player doesn't really have much um, worth unless he can master, at least have one position where he's absolutely solid at. And then if he can do um, other things, that's like a a huge benefit. Like I don't want a guy who's just going to be C+, but he can be C+, at uh, slot corner strong safety not weak side linebacker because I'm not getting really anything that val that much better than replacement at any of those positions but if I have a guy who can be a B plus at weak side linebacker but can be a C at corner that uh, can be okay as a slot corner and okay as a safety then that's something that can be valuable take like Isaiah Simmons the one thing that I thought of with Isaiah Simmons because uh, I'm a Browns fan and we there was a chance we could draft Isaiah Simmons, and I was kind of excited about the possibility. But I didn't want to draft Isaiah Simmons if the Browns did not have a set, a set position and a set game plan for him. Because look what happened with the Cardinals. He's already benched. He's they didn't have a set. They didn't have a set plan. They didn't really know he was everything, so he was kind of nothing, so to speak. So versatility is great, but there has to be kind of like a set uh, set role, especially when you're a rookie, because you yeah. can't just you can't ask Isaiah Simmons to know how to play will linebacker, strong safety, and slot corner at the same time. You're gonna overload him with information, so you kind of have to get him in one spot, ask him to do a bunch of things within that spot, and then move move on from there.
1: And I got one more question for you. It's about uh, the Scout Speak, Neil Stratton's book. I know you yep. got that. I saw you in his chat that he did. What was your big – because you're a big guy that wants to go into the real world of NFL football, the real football. What did you take away from that book? When you were done with it, did you feel discouraged, motivated?
0: Both, yeah. Um, One of the things that kind of, like, made me think was – about the role of charting and, like, PFF and SIS and the roles of um, as a path to getting people jobs. They're kind of new, and there really isn't all too many people. Like, I don't really know too many people who have made the jump from, like, PFF charter to actual, like, scout. And the people yeah. who have made that jump, guys like Zach Robinson, um, he was with PFF, and he's now an assistant over with the Rams. He was also a quarterback's coach before he was with PFF right. or like Connor Berenger who was with PFF and now he's a scouting assistant with, the uh, Washington, not Redskins, the Washington football team. The, um, he also had experience working with the college athletic department. I only have like this charting background and the do it yourself t- kind of stuff. And I, c- I really wonder if, um, because he said in the book that people are they're looking for people with two years of experience with a football team. And I don't have that. I have um, adjacent to football teams. It's like mm-hmm. I'm still watching the film, but I'm not doing it in the environment that they want. And I also kind of was like, because I went to school at Bowling Green, but I worked in sports information. I didn't work in the football offices. I worked in the sports information offices. So... I mean, I got to watch a whole bunch of women's volleyball games and soccer games, and I helped out okay. a, ton, a ton there, but I never really got to see the day in, day out, what goes on in, pre- um, in practice, what goes on in a recruiting office. So I really kind of want to open up that path of from charting and on, online draft stuff into the NFL for myself and other people and hope that the people that are there – would be would be willing and open for it but yeah it's just it's just so tough when you're just go to the senior bowl and just you, you you talk with some people and you find out that hey the guy that you were talking with who is a scout for the falcons his dad like owns espn or the yeah. guy, or this guy scout um was there because his dad was a legendary college football coach and that can be a little discouraging but being discouraged isn't going to help me get to where I want to be. so yeah it's kind of like the mindset of I know what reality is but if I focus too much on that reality it's going to hurt my chan- hurt my chances in getting the position like once yeah. you thought, once you think you lost you already lost so yeah it's just it's just maintain it's maintaining that balance and I'm going to uh, keep fighting and keep working and I'm sure I will find find something eventually and even even if i don't i think i could still be happy working a stupid insurance and a bank job and then on the weekends break uh breaking down breaking down tape and maybe selling a draft guide and doing doing stuff like this for fun it is fun it's football who doesn't love football i love football yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I do. You know, I work a normal job and then football is kind of my escape. It gives me something to look forward to. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm older than you are and I'm, I'm over 30 now. So according to scout speak, I'm out of the game. But you still have five years to make it. So, um, I mean, do you ever think about if you did get it? I mean, you, you think about all the, you know, like they say, you're on a two-year contract all the time. If you did work in the NFL with all the instability, is that something that, worries you at all or are you pretty like single guy pretty fluid can you know go with the flow or because it just seems so unstable and there's just seems like there's so little value put on those guys that they just get swapped around and what do you think about that
0: yeah that um I I guess I would have to experience it. I think one yeah. of the things that I'm more kind of concerned about is um I would I would really want to be in like the right culture. Um with my uh body type and uh being skinny, I just kind of look like a look like a dweeb. I I would yeah, you not want to like John different. Oliver.
1: Yeah. John really? Yeah, you do. You, you look like Ben Solak. Had a baby with John Oliver
0: okay we're, we're, <laughs> when, 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 when i pu- when i publish this we're going we're going to have a uh, a lot uh, of editing <laughs> hopefully a lot of editing so i I don't want to be in like a some kind of circumstances where people aren't going to respect me because I'm not a real football guy whatever that is i'm a i think I'm a real football guy I've been doing stuff we either Helping out my high school football team, playing for my high school football team, playing poorly for it, but still trying my best ever since I was 14, like 14 years old. Like I have nine years of experience at 25 years old, helping out football teams in some in some variety. I have done everything from helping keep track of tackles and participation to being a, the damn fo- team photographer. I've have d- you thought
1: about X- going into coaching at all.
0: Yeah, I've um, I have. I just wonder if it's a little too late for me, yeah. or I don't really have, I don't really have the same connections in the coaching industry as what I've already built. Like, I know I'm, I've been working with Andy Benoit for a while. He's a great, he's a great source. I know some people at the Senior Bowl. I know all of the people that are with XTB that in two years should be doing great, uh, greater things. So it's like, I have the connections there and I don't want to, I mean, I'm not going to like lose, lose them, but I don't want to yeah. like lose focus on that. But yeah, I've thought about becoming a sub, uh, substitute teacher and help, helping coach some kids. I'm, I, I'm great with kids. I I love, love being around young people and doing my best to be a positive influence. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's kind that's kind of the tough thing. Um, I would – I guess my the worst-case scenario is I get a job as a scout and hate it and, like, just go in there and every everyone's scared of getting fired. Everyone's mad at me for not working 18 hours a day instead of – because I only work 16. And then having everyone disregard every, everything that I have to say because I'm the new guy there. Yeah, I – like – there is kind of that fear of an NFL team being a really bad environment. Uh, I have talked with some scouts who said that they left scouting because there were just so many, so much politics and favoritism and they didn't feel like their work was being valued, that they were just being sent all um, all across the country to watch players and give detailed guidance, reports, only for the head coach to say, this is the guy I want. Well, he stinks. It's I want him. And they draft that guy and he stinks. And they're like, we told you. So... Yeah.
1: Uh, it just seems to be so little value placed on scouts. I mean, I've read books that talk about scouting, and it it just seems almost demoralizing how they're treated. You know, you have some teams that don't even have that many scouts. Uh, it just, I've never wanted to be an NFL scout. I think it's fun to watch the players, but just that whole lifestyle doesn't interest me at all. hmm
0: I actually think I would like the tra- the traveling part of it and the going around and t- uh, like talking with people and investigating things. That's mostly because I enjoy talking with people and I love setting game plans for uh, game, game planning traveling trips. Like, oh, I, I just have so much fun, like, looking at air, um, comparing airline costs for whenever I go down to the Senior Bowl. Like, I was once so happy that I saved 200 bucks because instead of me taking the flight straight to Mobile, I took a $200 trip down to New Orleans and took a bus ride over. It was a whole day traveling affair, but I did save that $200. but but yeah i feel i have that that mentality and that little thing that makes um that makes me tick for both the scouting aspect the traveling aspect and the learning about people and being nice to people aspect and i hope it will be uh, truly valued and put to use
1: have you ever thought about Doing uh, like a scouting academy because NFL draft Bible, they have that Friday night scout school and then there's that big scouting academy. Have you ever done anything like that? Had any interest in doing anything like that? Or are you just more of an independent learner?
0: Um, Well, I've I've I have training material that I got from Matt at Sports Info Solutions. And that's kind of the basis of what I'm um, of what I'm doing uh, I've also talked um, went to senior bowl scout school that was my first scouting stuff um, school uh, training I've gotten so I have that so the, the feeling that I already kind of have myself a base and the fact that I've talked with some people who've done scouting academy and who told me that like if you have already kind of taken 101 by what you're doing so there really isn't much point in taking 101 with the Scouting Academy. I have I have thought about Friday night Scout, uh, Friday night Scout School. The one issue the one issue though right now is I'm poor, and I think I am doing a pretty decent job of find, talk um getting in contact with old scouts, old coaches, young some young coaches and bringing them on Zoom chats and have um having them teach the um teach some of the scouts like when you do this stuff and you like talk to people about scouting you find other people who are interested in scouting mm-hmm. and some of those people are kind of furloughed right now who were working in the AFL or CFL so they have time to, to to help us out so I'd absolutely do Friday night scout school but I'm also doing a pretty good job in talking with people and developing Essentially, a free uh, free scouting training for both myself and um, other people.
1: Yeah, what's available even on YouTube now? You've got like former players like I think uh, that uh, Sullivan, the quarterback, I with scout him. school. There is, is so much so cool nice. stuff just on YouTube. I think all former players who have nothing going on should just start YouTube channels. So you know, half of them like to talk ball. And it's just so interesting, just listening to Sullivan talk, the way he just throws out all these terms that I've never even heard of. I mean, it just makes my head spin sometimes.
0: Yeah, and you learn, you learn something. Like, I, I just love like when I learn something about football, like football, and I just want to like tell the next football person I see. Like uh, today, when I was talking with um, what, uh, when I was talking with Searle about Jackson Carmen, I was like. So this guy is really explosive and quick when he's moving forward. Like he has good burst forward, but he doesn't have like good feet going backwards. Like how do I call that? What do I refer to that? How do I describe that? Cause I don't want to say his feet are, that he is a quick guy because he's, forward not backwards so he's like oh yeah he's got really good proactive athleticism but his reactive athleticism is not is not good and then i'm like that is such a great way of putting it you knew the exact words of what i was trying to explain and and now i want to tell you about that and i want to and then anybody listening will now also know that and then they'll hear it and hopefully store it and maybe they'll recognize that in some of the players that they that they see reactive versus proactive athleticism
1: you know, who's a guy right now that uh, I haven't really delved into too many players yet because I'm just too busy doing the draft Bible stuff right now. But um, who's a guy that you've really dug into maybe last year's tape, a little bit of this year's video that you just really, really like? And I mean, not a guy that everybody already loves, but who are you pounding the table for right now? Is there anyone out there?
0: Uh, that's kind of the thing. This is kind of like a mindset thing I have, is I just want to explain what the player is. I try to avoid that mindset of having my guys. Um, so I get
1: emotionally connected to my guys, and I just go absolutely crazy. I, yeah. yeah. You're more of an analytical kind of brainy guy. I'm more on mm-hmm. the emo side of things with players. Yeah, I get it
0: yeah i mean i I haven't really scouted as many players as i'd like i think i've gotten seven and i really don't think there was anybody i was significantly high um higher on uh like dylan moses was a guy i scouted and yeah he's good he's he's really fast but i was watching his 2018 film and then there are just still so many things i want to see him do like he just looks so clueless in pass coverage so i couldn't like pound the table for him like this dylan moses guy is amazing because i still haven't seen uh seen that uh pass catching yet uh i guess an undercover guy or a little or no known guy that i've i only watched one tape of him because he's a d2 guy and d2 tape is hard to find but um i enjoyed watching jaquan hardy out of tiffin like, mm-hmm. when you are watching D2 players, you really want to make sure that they dominate. And at least in the game against Finley, he dominated. He was the f- main focus of the game. The defense's job was to stop him. The offensive job was to get him the ball. And, oh boy, did he do well. I think he broke, like, 11 tackles in in the game. Like, I kind of, like, put a little little check mark on there he's got that contact balance that power he's like five nine five ten 225 pounds so nfl ready body if he can if he can find on um, um, if he can prove that he can play on third downs i think he can be like a end of the draft kind of guy priority free agent maybe one of those james robinson type guys that nobody nobody really knows did about until the when he
1: came out Robinson. I,
0: I didn't watch him, so I, I can't tell you anything.
1: I did. I think I cut one of his games, and I liked him. He had a good body and decent speed, but uh, good luck trying to figure him out. Do you have trouble watching Smalls? Like, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I watched this uh, small college guy. Like, uh, the guy out of Whitewater this year, there's a guard who's uh, pretty good. I can't think I of heard- his name or not. Yeah, yeah, that guy. They have people all the time that say, you know, I have trouble watching those small school guys. Do you have any trouble with that, or do you just watch a small school and you're just like, you're either good or you're not? What do you think about that?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I think you kind of, you do kind of have to put, put like a little skeptical hat on when you're uh, because you're realizing that hey, this guy isn't going isn't going up against 6'5, 280 pound linemen. He's going yeah. up against a 6'4, 230-pound kid who's going to be an accountant. That that absolute <laughs> that absolutely matters. Yeah. But if you're if you're fast at D2, you're going to be fast in the NFL, right? If you can mm-hmm. catch a football on in D2, you can catch a football in the NFL. So you have to kind of balance out that. Thought process of, oh, he's going up against future accountants, not future NFL players, mm. and knowing which skills will translate. For example, I watched D'Angelo Amos out of James Madison. He's now at Virginia, yeah. And he just did not have the speed. I'm just watching him, and uh, Ryan Roberts was really like hyping him up, and. I, I didn't even see him as like a sideline to sideline safety. Like he wasn't even like getting oh. out to like the the numbers. And it was like, I can't I can't pound the table for this guy if the one thing that I know will translate to the NFL I'm not sure he has. He was a sick He's gonna be a he's a six year senior this year. He's an amazing returner, an amazing special teams guy. Like, he must have been a great running back in high school because he was an insane returner. He has, like, five blocked kicks on his career. Incredible special teams guy. Yeah. But I don't know where I'm going to put him if I draft him on an NFL team because I don't think he's fast enough to cover an NFL wide receiver.
1: Ryan told me to – Ryan Roberts told me that I had to shout him out in this podcast. And you you just (sighs) – Oof, you got him pretty good on that one. So I'm just going to – that's going to be a shout-out right there.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, Ryan's uh, Ryan's a great dude. Where um, I've gone to some of his uh, spotlights. I actually got to talk with Jaquan Hardy on his D2 player spotlight, and he told me that he's catching 100 footballs and 300 tennis balls every day because he wants <laughs> – he knows that the, that the scouts aren't – that he's not being asked to catch passes out of the backfield but he wants to be ready when the opportunity knocks. So yeah, that's um there you go, Ryan, that's your shout out, NFL Draft Bible. They're doing great work. I'm I yeah. think some whatever I build there'll definitely be some of uh some of their fingerprint on it cuz they've been doing so great for so many years. But yeah, there's so many so many good draft stuff out there. All right, we're, we've been on an hour and 15 minutes. Do you have any other uh, things you want to say before we go? Not really, man. I had a good
1: time with you. You're a nice guy, and uh, I like you because you're honest. You just say whatever you want to say, and I enjoy listening to your podcasts, even, even when you have Mark on and he kind of just breaks it on by talking about how much of a badass he is. <laughs> I mean that I'm He, I mean, he literally just bragged about being the bad boy at Twitter for a half hour, and I almost fell asleep. But uh, other than that, they've been really good and uh, not the good work, man.
0: Absolutely. Uh, listener note: Jesse and Mark and I were all friends. It is good natured ribbing. Just in case you didn't know, important That's note. Really not. <laughs> We're not not bullying. We're not bullying him too hard. Uh, <laughs> thanks, you guys, for uh, listening. I, this was a little fun, uh, fun little, little bit different this time. I believe next week I'm planning on having Matt Holder on. He is one of the best, like actual, like writing scouts we have on um, on the team, and I'm really excited to get to talk with him. It was a pleasure talking with Jesse. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, next time on on for the next episode. Thank you, Jesse. Have a great day, guys.